Hey, sweet friends, this is Andrea, and I'm your host for Inspire on the Go. I'm excited about the chance to talk about life, ministry, and our relationship with Jesus. I can't wait to see what God has in store. So grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, everybody. Hope you're doing really well today. So I really decided I was missing earrings. Um, I really wanted to just get dressed today, fully dressed, and put on some earrings. And so I went into my um, closet area where I have all of my jewelry and I was digging through trying to find the right earrings and I found these. And these are probably my favorite earrings that I have. Um, if you go back in my social media feed from about six months or eight months ago, these earrings are in every single picture. And I love them for so many reasons, but one, they're really lightweight and they're just the right size. Um, but also like if I'm wearing a microphone, then there's no like interference. And so I can, you know, make it through an entire, you know, um, speaking engagement without having to take any earrings off. So that makes them special. But also uh, they're special because I, I bought them at a little place here in Arkansas that I really love to visit. It's called the Vintage Rose, um, and it is in Quitman, Arkansas. In fact, so many of the things around my house are from the Vintage Rose. I'll show you right behind me there. All of that is from the Vintage Rose, um, and Anne is the owner of the Vintage Rose, and she is just precious, and she will help you right there in the store put together all kinds of different things. And so it's just a great little spot. So when all this is over and we're able to go back to all of our shopping, support your local businesses 110%, and then look for little places like that, like the Vintage Rose, where you can go and you can um, support them as well. So I think I'm missing shopping. I think that's what this whole little plug is about. I had a friend today and she's actually in the group. She posted on social media that this was so funny to me. If I can social distance at Kroger, I can social distance at TJ Maxx. And I was like, yes and amen. Um, just a quick walk through TJ Maxx would be so good for my heart, but it's okay. One of these days we'll all be back um, to TJ Maxx and Maxinista and all that kind of good stuff. So. I digress. Okay, so how's it going? How's everyone doing? For all of you young mamas out there, are y'all making it? Are y'all with us? Are you okay? Um, I know it's hard. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, my heart is with you. My thoughts are with you. Hang in there. We will get through this. There is the other side, and we're, every day we're a little bit closer. We're just a little bit closer. We're just a little bit closer. Um, okay, so we're in the middle of our study on the life and ministry of Jesus, and this has been super meaningful for me, and I actually want to just say I'm teaching out new content, new material. You know, these are, these are things that I'm really working to put my mind and my heart around and to really pull together, and so thank you for being um, gracious in, in that and, and for being... Um, in this process with me, uh, just to kind of recap where we've been just on the life and ministry of Jesus. Our first um, session, we looked at the five finished works of Jesus and how we can nail down um, kind of his life and his ministry uh, in five different finished works. Um, first, his incarnation. Second, his crucifixion. Third, that he was raised. Fourth, that he ascended. And fifth, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then we talked about how he introduced an upside down kingdom that is counterculture, um, that was um, really a, a change in terms of how the um, religious people of his day thought and how they measured success and spirituality. 
And I want us to continue that talk and, and a little bit of that will come into today's session because here's the deal. It's so easy for us as church people, as people who are many of us living right here in the Bible Belt, um, for others of us who have had a relationship with the Lord for many, many, many years, it's easy for us to slip ever so gingerly into the same mindset that the Pharisees may have had or that the religious leaders of Jesus's day had. And I only say that because I, I know what that's like. Um, in my book, Reflecting His Glory, which is an in-depth Bible study on Romans 12, 12 2, I do an entire lesson on the day that I realized I was a Pharisee. And I was teaching out Matthew chapter 23 and the seven woes that Jesus gave to the Pharisees. And I looked at them and I took them apart and I, I realized, oh my goodness, in so many different ways, in my um, church experience, I've fallen into, in a sense, being set in my ways and in a sense, really wanting everything to function and happen according to what I think is right. And that I put my kind of Southern um Christian, Baptist mindset on top of that. And that it often led me, and I'm just being honest, I hope this is okay, I'm just being honest. It often led me to a um, religious experience that was safe and comfortable and more about me than about God. And so, that's why I think it's really important for us to understand the teachings of Jesus and how radical they were and are and how counterculture they were and are. And then to really look at our lives in light of his teachings and to ask the question, are we following the narrow way? Are we following that narrow path? Because sometimes it's just easier for us to just look at our lives and try to make it fit into his teachings. And when we do that, we pick and choose and contextualize according to what feels comfortable. And I'm not judging at all by saying that. I'm just having an honest moment here that says, I have to be careful about that um, because my whole world is the church world. And my whole life is... Um, you know, pretty much in a bubble if I'm not careful. And so I have to just ask the Lord to, to really um, check me and to really um, help me to see me. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Like, how can we ask the Lord to help us see us in light of Him? And when we do that, what happens? And how how um, how beautiful is it that we can do that? Uh, you know, whenever we think about the heart of stone and the heart of flesh, right? And that whole concept that Jesus came to uh, just totally radically change our lives uh, so that that which was outside and physical became inside and eternal. And we see that in so many different ways throughout scripture. Now, with that said, I want to make sure and clarify just so that what I said in yesterday's video isn't misunderstood. Listen, friends, the, the, the believers in the Old Testament were men and women of God. Um, we know that um, Abraham believed God and it was credited, 
credited to him as righteousness. Um, we know that Ruth, wow, just, I mean, her story alone, that she took refuge in the one true God. We know that David was a man after God's own heart. We know that Solomon was a man of incredible wisdom. And, and you know, uh, there's Moses, I mean, he led the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity and towards the promised land. We know that uh, Caleb and Joshua, that they had a different spirit within them and that they, um, you know, God used them to lead uh, the new um, nation into the promised land. And so like they're just, there's so much beauty and so much depth in the Old Testament and God's redemptive work in the hearts and the lives of his people. So like we cherish that and we celebrate that. But clearly, even through the prophets, we know that there was um, the Messiah who was coming and that the that everything pointed to him and that the prophets foretold about him uh, and that he would introduce a um, a, a relationship with God that was so transformational that literally the heart uh, would be circumcised instead of the body being circumcised. And so like, there's all these tangible pictures that we see in the Old Testament that was just pointing the way, pointing the way, pointing the way, pointing the way. And this concept of the heart of stone becoming the heart of flesh is a big part of that. And so um, we saw the five functions. We saw the upside down kingdom. And then we saw this difference in transitioning from the old covenant, the sacrificial system, to the new covenant and Jesus's beautiful fulfillment of um, the sacrificial system and, and becoming our high priest and offering that final sacrifice. And so, um, so it's all working together for us to see this big picture of God's story, his, his narrative um, that began before creation and has no ending. And so um, that, that is so helpful to us. So we, we look at then the fact that Jesus has um, provided a way for us to know God in such a personal way through his death, burial, and resurrection, and that he has given us this ability through um, his death, burial, and resurrection to abide. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the abiding um, nature of our relationship with Christ. And as we abide in him and he abides in us, uh, that we actually produce fruit that brings glory to the Father. Before we jump into John chapter 15, I want to share a couple of things. Number one, this is what's on my heart more than anything else for this week. It is this, this one statement right here. And that is the areas of our life that are not productive, that are not helpful, that are not conforming to the image of Jesus Christ that are maybe more associated with our religion instead of our relationship, that those can and should be transformed by the power of God and that we don't have to stay in those places. We all have hard, difficult, unplowed spiritual ground in our life. You do, I do, we all do. The people around us do. That's the process of sanctification being worked out. And so we should be generous in grace 
um, before the Lord with ourselves and with each other. Because we know that once God starts a process, he's going to carry it on to completion, but it's not always overnight. And so those hard, unplowed areas can be there for so many different reasons. It might be because of sin. It might be because of self-will or pride or self-reliance or shame or guilt, or, or it could just be a lack of awareness. It, it could be a, any number of things that is causing us to not rightfully, rightly understand um, our sin in light of a holy God. And so what is so beautiful about John chapter 15 is that it provides a path for those areas of life. And so the first thing is that I really want to communicate to you is that those unplowed, unproductive, hard soil, hard-hearted areas of life can and should be transformed by the grace of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. So we have great hope. Um, the second thing that I feel just very impressed about when I look at scripture is the fact that through that process that we're called to love, like we're called to, and we're going to see that in John chapter 15, we're called to love and to love each other so deeply that it's a demonstrated love, that it's an active love. And what, what we're going to see in John 15 is that this love, it is love that is described about God's love for us, our love for God, our love for each other, and our love for our enemies. So it's an all-encompassing love. And so when we go to John chapter 15 and we ask the question, like, why should I abide? Why should I dwell? Why should I remain, especially in these hard-hearted areas? Then the answer is, it leads to a fruit-bearing process that brings glory to God and satisfaction to our souls. And that is rooted in God's love for you, that he doesn't want you to live an ordinary, superficial, safe Christian life. That's not his plan. His plan is a, a plan that is so much more than what we can ask for, what we can imagine, and what we can create for ourselves. But it requires a relinquishment of control and a trust and a surrender in the fact that he knows what is best for us in every single situation that we face, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of apathy, in the midst of joy and triumph, in every single situation, uh, persecution, he knows what is best for us. And he is positioning us to experience his best. And that's that soul satisfaction that comes through the Beatitudes through that upside down kingdom, through that counterculture kingdom that says, I will value the things of God over the things of this world. And so that brings us to John chapter 15. I wanna look at this passage of scripture with you real quick and um, point out just a couple of things and then you'll dig into it for yourself in your homework. Um, let me pray real quick and then we'll jump in. 
Lord, it's with humble, grateful hearts that we come before you. And we just say, um, you are so mighty, Lord. You are so mighty to save and you are so good. And, and, and Lord, even right now, as we're thinking about maybe some areas of our life that are unproductive or hard soil or um, a heart of stone where we're uh, maybe just depending upon ourselves or seeking to be in control or just outright living in sin, or maybe we're just not aware Lord, would you um, reveal us to us in light of you? And as you reveal us to us in light of you, may we have such a passion to be changed and transformed because you love us and because you've given us a path for that, but also, Father, because it's our greatest desire to bring you glory. And so speak to us now as we look at John chapter 15. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to read a couple passages for you, and then we're going to see um, the main players that are introduced here in John chapter 15, and we'll talk about them together. So John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus is talking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So in this uh, passage of scripture, in those four verses, we see the main players in this um, beautiful picture of Jesus, God, and us. So let's talk about it. First, Jesus is the true vine. He introduces himself in that very specific way. The word true that's used in John 15, verse one, it means real and genuine. And so here's what I wanna submit to you today. Jesus is the real deal. Um, he came to be the one way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so when we look at his words, we can trust them because he's not a superficial and he is not, you know, um, a fabricated Messiah. He is the real Messiah, the one that um, came uh, on our behalf to die in our place. And so when we see something that is true, something that is real, something that is genuine, something that is not superficial, but rather real in every single way, we should sit up and we should take note and we should incline our ear to that one who is able to tell us what we really need to hear. So Jesus is the true vine. Now, the purpose of the vine, whenever you look at a, a plant, uh, the purpose of the vine is to provide structure, support, and nourishment. So when we put that truth into the analogy, then we know that our real structure, our real support, and our real nourishment comes from Jesus. And so again, that just further clarifies that he has um, just everything that we need. And I said it, I think, in our last session together, Jesus has the answer because he is the answer. And that just clarifies and simplifies our life in so many beautiful ways. So Jesus is the true vine. The father is the gardener. Think about the purpose of the gardener. The gardener is 
like above the garden and he is determining what happens in the garden. And that's true of our loving Heavenly Father. We see his sovereignty, his providence, his plan at play as he determines where the plant goes, what happens to the plant, what happens around the plant, um, the times whenever the watering happens, when the pruning happens, when the nourishment is given, he is in charge, he is in control, and he has a master plan. So that should bring us, again, so much certainty in the midst of uncertain times. Then we see that we are called to be the branch. And the branch, um, it is an expression of the vine. So that right there alone just gives us so much just purpose in our life. And again, as I go back to my analogy or my story at the beginning of our time together, so often I think I just want my life to be an expression of my um, religious relationship or my religious view, and I'm missing the point there. We are to to be an expression of Jesus, who is the real deal. Uh, and in the process of being that expression, we are called to bear fruit. That's the purpose. That's what a branch does, bears fruit. And so we've got to get everybody, um, in a sense, in the right place so that we can function with a proper view of who God is, who Christ is, and who we are in relationship to them. Uh, so we see that that God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, the true vine, and that we are the branch. Let's pick up in verse five, and we're going to see this call to remain. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's talk about two different things. Let's talk about two different calls from John chapter 15. The first is the call to abide. And the word abide that's used in John chapter 15 is very similar to the word that was used in Psalm 91, where we saw the call to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Um, abiding or remaining in the New Testament, it means to live. It means to stay. It means to dwell. Um, it means to abide or remain. And here's what I love about this word. Uh, when it begins, there is this idea that there is a continuous process. So it's not just one and done, but it is a process of remaining or staying or abiding or dwelling day after day after day after day. And so we see the sanctification process in that alone. So if Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, we are the branches, and we are to remain in him, we are to stay, we are to dwell, then that means that we are called to do that no matter what type of season we're in. Again, going back to the analogy, whether it is summer or spring or winter or fall, no matter what situation we might may find ourselves in, we're supposed to stay put right there. So those seasons can represent different walks, you know, different seasons of our walk. You know, it could represent times of excitement. It could re represent times of despair or confusion or apathy. In all seasons, we are called to remain, to abide, to dwell, to stay put, and to know that what started that process of remaining is an ongoing call to remain every single moment of every single day. So that tells us that this is not a compartmentalized religious relationship. It is a all-consuming relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So the call to abide. Abide in me is what Jesus says, and I will abide in you. Now, what happens when we do that? When we do that, we will bear much fruit. 
um, and what has to happen in order for that fruit to come forth. That's the second thing that we see in John chapter 15. There has to be some pruning. It's not fun. It is not fun. I, I, I don't care for the pruning seasons, but they're so necessary. So pruning basically involves um, the Father cutting away the unproductive parts of our life, the things that are sucking the energy, the things that are sucking the attention, the things that are sucking um, all of the all of the vitality from um, that that branch, and so so you see that 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 God is so faithful to prune uh, that away, and and as He does that, the unproductive areas become productive, and so it's it's just it's a beautiful picture of just remaining and abiding and dwelling and trusting Him to cut away the parts of our lives that are not productive in order that the parts that are according to his will and his purposes are more productive. And so we see that we've got to abide and we've got to be open to the pruning process. Now, what's the outcome of that? When we abide and when we are open to the pruning process, which is where that sin is cut away, where that unproductive part or that focus of our life is cut away, where that apathy, that that shame or that guilt or that lack of awareness or or that self-reliance or that pride, when that is cut away, when it is removed by any means necessary, according to um, our loving Father, then we will bear much fruit. We will have an increase in fruit bearing. And what, what does that look like for us? That looks like the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about next week. That looks like walking in obedience and surrender and faith. Um, that looks like valuing the things of God and Christ over the things of self. That looks like looking to them and saying, Lord Jesus, you set the direction for my life. You are the real deal and I will follow you instead of just expecting you to follow me. And so there's fruit bearing that comes out of that. In the process of the fruit bearing, we will experience the nothingness of God. Uh, we see that in verse five, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we remain in him, and we abide in him and we stay and we live and we dwell to the point that those unproductive areas, those hard-hearted areas are cut away, then we are going to experience the fact that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. We're going to experience the fact that nothing is impossible with God. But if we stay in the hard-hearted areas, those unplowed, untilled areas of hard soil in our life, then we're going to experience the fact that no spiritual fruit will come out of that. Nothing will last. Nothing of value uh, will come out of our life. Sure, we can do a lot of things. Uh, we can go a lot of places. We can meet a lot of people. We can, um, you know, even do a lot of ministry, whether that's in our church or in our community. But if we're doing it out of self-reliance, self-will, or for self-promotion, then all of that, all of that fades away. None of that lasts forever. So as we abide, as we dwell, as we remain, and as we say, Lord, cut away the unproductive parts of my life, then we will have 
fruit bearing that will lead us to experience the nothingness of God and that will ultimately glorify God. And we see that at the end of verse eight, where it says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when we bear real fruit that is connected to the true vine, then the father is glorified. And that is the fruit that will last. Now, what should fuel all of this? What should fuel all of it? Should it be a desire to bear fruit? Should it be a desire to get reward in heaven? Should it be a desire to build an, uh, um, an influential ministry or kingdom or um, anything like that? Absolutely not. The fuel for all of this is the love that we have for God. It is the love that he has for us. It is the love that we have for each other. And it's the love that we have even for our enemies. When we are fueled by that, this is that upside down kingdom. This is that counter culture call on our lives that is an expression of the new covenant, the royal law, the law of love then we will be distinct. We will be different. We will be set apart. We will be unusual. And other people will note that it certainly isn't us, but it is him. And I want to show you this call to love in John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then the verse 17, this is my command, love each other. So we're called to love and every bit of what happens in the abiding process, it should be fueled by love. It should be propelled by love because when it is, what happens is that no longer do we desire to stay in the places that are safe or the places where we're in control. No longer will we desire to have sin or pride or arrogance or self-will or self-reliance or a lack of awareness drive our walks with Jesus. No, we're gonna say, Jesus, you're the real deal. You have the answer because you are the answer and may your love melt my heart. May your love change my life. May your love be the distinguishing mark on my life. And may that love be so demonstrated that when other people see me, they don't see me. They see fruit that lasts, that points to you, that glorifies the Father. And that sets us up to abide well and to prune well and to walk well before God and before others. So I want you to go to your homework and I want you to look at John chapter 15 and I want you to talk about in your notes, in your journal, you know, what it means for Jesus to be the true vine, for God to be the gardener and for us to be the branches that call to remain or abide. What does that look like in your life? What does the pruning process look like and the outcomes? How is it that we can experience the fruit bearing, the nothingness of God and the fact that we get to bring glory to God all through just simply the way we love God 
and love each other. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna share my testimony with you. And um, it's gonna be just a personal look at how John chapter 15, it's really shaped my walk with Jesus and my life. And I'll share that with you. Uh, but until then, I'm praying for you and I love you. So have a great day. Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps you embrace the full free abundant life that God provides. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Inspire on the Go. If you would like more encouragement to help you grow in your faith, visit my website at andrealennonministry.org. Come back next time and enjoy another episode of Inspire on the Go. Thank you.